to Blue and Gold, a Superman and Booster Gold podcast. So today is Wednesday, December 18th, and 2019, and I wasn't planning on recording today, and I wasn't even planning on recording this episode today, but today is a landmark day. Finally, Doomsday Clock number 12 comes out. So I've been anticipating this comic for quite some time. I've been a fan of Doomsday Clock, and I know it's had a lot of, um, it's caught a lot of flack for how late it's been, and that has been frustrating. It, I was looking yesterday, one of the things that's been interesting that I've started doing is for those titles or of comics or movies that have, that I've been really anticipating, I've been going back when the final issue or the movie finally comes out, I've been going back and looking to see when it was solicited, or at least when it was first announced, just to get an idea of how long it's been since I became aware of this project's existence, and here it is finished. And that's a little bit more of an issue with a comic than it is with a movie, because a movie, when you see the movie, you've seen the whole thing, but a comic in the comic series isn't quite the same thing, because... It could be solicited and then issue one. It could be solicited six months before the first issue comes out. Then issue one comes out. And then you're waiting and waiting. And usually you might have to wait till the next month. But if you're waiting for all six issues, like um, if you're waiting for the end of the series. So actually, let me back up a moment. So the last two or three years, I've really shifted to being a to being a quote unquote trade waiter but I, I don't wait for the trade I, I like to support what I'm reading or um, so I will get the single issues just to support the title but I wait until they are all um, finished and then I read them that's not quite the same for month to month like I've been reading the Bendis Superman. Although I dropped Action Comics because I just was not enjoying the Action Comics run, so I had to drop it. But I, if it's a monthly title with no end in sight, I typically will read month to month. But if it's a limited series, or and, and part of that is to keep up with the news, or to keep up with the conversation about Superman... But for instance, I really like the, and my wife too, we really love the IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles title, which just hit 100. But I will let that build up a a, a trade's worth, six or seven issues, and then plow through it. So, getting back to my original point, I've been going back and looking, when did I first become aware of this project now that it's finally wrapping up? So here we are, December... 18 of 2019 and yesterday i looked it up this title doomsday clock was first announced in may of 2017 may so two and a half years ago whoa so and issue number one didn't even come out until november of that year so here we are Two and a half years from when the project was announced to now issue 12 finally came out. And it's gotten such a blowback just for the lateness of the title. The title was originally supposed to be a monthly title. And it quickly started missing that deadline. And then it was supposed to be every other every other uh, month, a bi-monthly title. And it, and it was missing that too. Although at the end of the day... It only it took about twenty five months for this title to come out. So, 
it started missing even the bi-monthly, but the bi-monthly was announced maybe around issue four or something like that. So they already had some. So they started, you would go two or three, I think a couple of instant, like uh, four months without this um, title, maybe once or twice. But it it ended up being about a bi-monthly title when it took 25 months all said and done. But I'll be honest, I don't think that that's going to matter in, in, in the same way that you listen, if you listen to some of the same podcasts um, by the Fire and Water Network or Two True Freaks, to shout out some of them, you still hear how the Jeff Johns, and um, it's funny, this is it's Jeff Johns again, but how the Jeff Johns Action Comics, Action Comics um, Last Sun arc was super late. And people are still annoyed by that. But here we are years later, and it's a fantastic read, and you don't get the artist. Like, the creative team has remained the same. And so I would just like to say that I am a fan of waiting, especially for these prestige miniseries or monthly titles where there's a creative vision and that involves the writer and the artist. I am a fan of just of just delaying it because it will make in the long run for a better read. It's not jarring. Yes, you might be waiting for a title to come out and they could have got a fill-in artist to make up for that gap. But in the long run, we forget or a lot of fans or at least it doesn't it's 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 not an issue years down the road when you want to go pick up that you want to pick up the trade off your shelf and you have a great enjoyable reading experience because it has the same artist. And so the last son with Jeff Johns and I believe it, um, shoot, I'm blanking on which, uh, uh, Kubert brother it was. Um, Andy, I think, um, but, but that was, that was you you pick that up and you get a coherent reading experience and the art team is the same and the writing is the same people say oh do you want your art good or do you want it on time and people say both well of course we would like both in a realistic but in a realistic world that just doesn't it may or may not happen and it's unfortunate but i will take it um just to have that so i will take the delays any day of the week when the reading experience is exceptional and I know this is going to be something that I'm going to pick up off my shelf and just have that coherent because it is jarring to get different artists on on title um, um, in between issues. So getting back to Doomsday Clock, the title was late for was it Jeff Johns? Was it Gary Frank? What were the reasons that it was late? Well, Probably all of the above, but the art could not have been helping in getting this book out on time. But from issue 1 to 12, this has fantastic Gary Frank art. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that and the art in a moment. But so why am I covering this book? This is a Superman and Booster Gold podcast. Well... Number one, it's my show. I could talk about, if I wanted to talk about Doomsday Clock, I could talk about Doomsday Clock. I'm going to have some episodes that are um, unrelated to either of those topics in in the future. Namely, I want to talk about some music that I really enjoy, that I want to, that I want to, I have nobody to really talk about in my day-to-day life about some of the stuff I like. And so, of course, I have this forum, but this title, and especially issue 12, solidified that Doomsday Clock is a Superman-centric DC maxi-series. As much as it is a Watchmen follow-up. Now, this was when it was first solicited. It had the the Watchmen yellow ticking clock, and it had the Superman symbol in the 12 o'clock position. So there was kind of a sense, oh, this is going to involve Superman in a major way. But... Superman really didn't have much of a presence in the first five or six issues. And it was Batman, as far as the DC characters, Batman was in it much earlier, which frustrated me. Not that I don't like Batman, and he's a major part of the DC 
DC universe. But I was coming into this for my enjoyment of Watchmen, but to really see, I was excited for this as a because um, Superman was sort of played up, and the um, I I own the variant cover to issue number one, which is Superman. Um, funnily enough, in his rebirth, his rebirth costume, but Superman and Doctor Manhattan on the cover, and Superman sort of dissolving, fading away into cogs and pieces of clockwork and it's a it's such an awesome cover and so for a while I, I was enjoying the title and I always enjoyed it from issue one but I was a little bummed out at the lack of Superman but then you get a little bit more than halfway and Superman comes into it in a big way and you have issue number 10 which is really really has some Superman mythology related events and then issue 12 was amazing and that's where i wanted to at least get going with this is that doomsday doomsday clock lives up to the hype in my opinion and i'm re i'm recording this it's a fresh take for sure even though that phrase kind of annoys me <laughs> but i read this uh issue earlier today it came out today and I haven't seen any reviews about the title. I haven't listened to any podcasts. Nothing's out yet. But I thought this title was fantastic and totally, totally was worth the worth the wait. Gary Frank knocked this thing out of the park. This title has probably the best depiction of Superman drawn ever in my opinion the gary frank has obviously done some previous work he worked on secret origin with jeff johns and he worked on some of those um he worked on superman and the legion story um storyline that was running in the action comics and the brainiac storyline and his art was really good there um amazing but he would ape Christopher Reeve, I don't think it's as big of a fault as I think some do, but he would obviously ape Christopher Reeve in his art style and drawing Superman. And that's definitely here in Doomsday Clock, but not to the extent. I think he 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 retains the Christopher Reeveness, but he also makes it his own. And it's the art is so awesome. The Gary Frank makes Superman look majestic, but not bulky. Like, I hate, hate, hate the way that Ed McGinnis draws Superman. You can't... You, I, I don't think... Like I, He's just so bulky and muscles everywhere. Gary Frank draws a ripped, ripped, ripped Superman. Don't get me wrong. But he still has... He's, it's it's like a super bulky, not super bulky, but a, a really ripped runner, not a bodybuilder. And I think that works for Superman. And I think because there's the argument that Superman doesn't have to have these big giant muscles. His his um, physiology, the, his, his sun-infused sun battery-infused um, body... Would have these powers, and there's been jokes about how Superman could be a, a giant, blubbering fat man, and he'd still be as strong, and that's probably true. But I still want to, this is still comics, and I still want to see um, a, a, a good depiction of Superman. It's something to strive. What's, what's really interesting is it's something to I don't always look at comic book characters this way, but in the same way that Superman is somebody to strive for in terms of his moral code and his and his ethics, the f there's also something to be said ab about striving to, um, for, for us to be healthy in your body image. And you don't have to be ripped, but as many of you, like I struggle, I'm a, I'm a little overweight, and, but, and I don't work out as much as I should. But in the same way that I want to strive to be morally and ethically virtuous as Superman, there's something to be said about striving to have to keep your to have a, a to have your body a healthy body and that's what I think Gary Gary Frank draws is a very 
healthy Superman, not a not a roided out Superman, but just a healthy, great depiction. And the cape is majestic. It's it's a little long. It's almost like um I noticed today in issue twelve, or might have been um I did a reread of this title of Doomsday Clock one three eleven in preparation over over the last day and a half or so in preparation for issue twelve coming out. And I think it was issue eleven or so. It was after Superman woke up from his coma, um, that he was getting dressed because he had been without a shirt, getting receiving medical care, and he was putting the costume back on. And I know, and I really noticed how long the cape was. It was going about a little, not down to ankle length, but almost that far. And but it worked so well. The cape and Gary Frank draws the yellow S on the back. It's just amazing. And so. Of course, I've talked um, quite a bit about Gary Frank Superman, but his art in general, he killed it here. He killed it. This It would have been a travesty if to get this book out on time, they got a different artist. It would have been an absolute travesty. And I mean, it wouldn't have absolutely killed it, but it would have taken a severe hit. And so I want to say... This this review is going to be interesting, this overview. It's not a review per se, because I'm going to be jumping around just talking about Doomsday Clock a little bit, and so I'm going to hit different points. Jeff John's writing, I think he does a really good job of not aping Alan Moore, but, but doing a Jeff John's channeling Alan Moore. I almost said... Imitating, but it's, he isn't imitating. He is, you, Jeff, you, you can see, I've read enough Jeff Johns that Jeff Johns' voice comes through in this title. But he he channels Alan Moore so well. And I'm going to go back to Gary Frank for a second as well. Um, Gary Frank does such a good job of channeling Dave Gibbons and the nine-panel grids, and the art is so amazing. Um so I also wanted to um, shout out to how well Gary Frank does at making this feel and live within the Watchmen universe. And Jeff Johns, too. This title really has the feel and the majestic quality to live right alongside Watchmen. Watchmen stand alone, and it doesn't... Watchmen's a standalone title, and it doesn't tie into DC Universe at all. And I think Alan Moore would be appalled that it does now. But even with incorporating... Watchmen into the DC Comics um, lore and the and the metaverse, if if you will, they did such a good job that it sits right alongside those for me. I wanted to um, talk also about the coloring. I don't think I talk that much about coloring that often. I think colorists don't get their due in comics, but Brad Anderson, who's a name who's a name that I recognize. I'm I'm blanking out what other titles. I think he's worked with um worked with Gary Frank before, but he's a he's a name. He's a colorist that I always perk up and I know there's going to be some fantastic color when I see him and he also kills it from top to bottom. And I know I got to stop saying kills it. I've oh, I'm overusing that phrase, but this title I think is superb from top to bottom. And I got to say I cannot wait until the um, inevitable absolute edition. That's what I'm really waiting for. Is the inevitable absolute edition. I will be all over that. So, this is a primarily a Superman podcast. So I'm not going to go into the plot by plot synopsis of of Doomsday Clock, especially since it's just some people might be waiting until it's finished and it's not out yet. Not that I'm adverse to spoilers. I will. I'm going to talk about some things that are spoilers. But I'm not going to focus on, on all of the plot points. But what I am going to say is that what Doomsday Clock does amazingly well is what I wanted from this title. And it was, it places, it doesn't minimize and certainly maximizes the importance of Superman in the DC Universe and as a character. He is the linchpin and I don't think you realize that until, I think, issue 10, which is the title where Dr. Manhattan sort of goes through the various Superman histories and how 
time has restarted and there's been various points 1938 and 1956 and 1986 and 2011 when the superman superman has been restarted and john's fascination and he says how this universe is tied to superman and not just this universe he like the uh the metaverse is is what how it's described here and superman is at the center of it if something changes Superman is the most important aspect of what makes each universe its universe and and um what gives it its personality. I think I think the new 52 in this title in Doomsday Clock it's implied that it's so dark because of Superman's Clark Kent's past was so dark and his parents died. And let me just say so I so I didn't say this at the beginning of the title or the beginning of the episode but I'm, I'm definitely going. I'm going to do some spoilers for issue number twelve, so please listen to this. Although I've already given some spoilers, but this one I did not see coming. I did not see that Superman's parents were going to be back, and I can't tell you how happy that makes me. That mom and pa are back. I grew up. I was born in '85, so I grew up firmly in the John Byrne post-crisis era and mom and pa were there they were part of that and as i grew as a, as a superman fan and learned my history of course you learned that for the majority of superman's existence that wasn't the case unless you were reading the superboy title where they were alive in superboy but for superman they weren't they 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 had died and so as an adult he didn't have his parents but the in the post-crisis era he did and I really think that that, and it was, and it was, it was always affirmed how much of his morality and his, his personal, his personal code of conduct and, and, and ethics comes from his parents and they were still there to be this light in his life. And, and that really felt like the difference between Superman and Batman or Superman and a lot of the rest of the DC universe is he still had this family he had his family he never knew at least in the post crisis he didn't know his family before he didn't know Jorel or Lara and especially in the post crisis cuz he came in the birthing matrix he was born here and as an adult he had his parents and he he had that that ground that that grounding that you get from having your parents and you can always go and talk to them and they were always this this moral center and this this and he could unload his burden and he could they were the people he could share himself with because he or at least earlier in the post crisis uh, Lois Lane didn't know he was Superman yet and so he could be himself and he could go and have that he could get, he could get his batteries recharged and with the and again it comes back to Jeff Johns with the Brainiac storyline in 2008 when Pa Kent was killed and then with the in rebirth in rebirth when the Kents were just wiped out from being part of the adult Superman's life altogether Superman lost something he lost I mean throughout the new 52 he lost his supporting cast and the importance uh, quite a bit in general but Superman as a character in my opinion loses something and this world and his world loses something when he doesn't have Mon Pa there. And so I was I was over the moon when I saw at the end of issue twelve that things were sort of set right again and Mon Pa are alive. Now they didn't make mention of John, um, Jonathan Kent, Superman's, um, and Lois's son. They do make mention earlier in the series about John. And a, a little joke about Perry White being John's godfather. And at that time, John was 10 years old and there was no indication he was off-world or anything or part of the Legion or, or any of that, which has gone on since this title. That's how long ago the title, this title has been going on. It's 2017. Was, it was pre-Bendis um, when, when this title started. And now it's post-Bendis and we have all of that going on with John. 
So I would have liked to have seen at the end of Doomsday Clock maybe a mention um, of John because actually this is a great point to talk about the continuity. Well, I already have been with Ma and Pa coming back and there's been no indication in the actual that I've seen. I haven't been reading action, but at least in Superman, the title that Ma and Pa are back. But Doomsday Clock sort of seems to be fitting in a weird, a weird place and in, in, in not being, it sits kind of in continuity, but it's kind of out. I personally would like it just to be completely out of continuity and not worry about anything that Bendis is. It doesn't have to slot in anywhere. And the older I've gotten, the more I enjoy these one and done stories and be it one issue or 12 issues like Doomsday Clock, but you go to Watchmen, Watchmen is a complete story that doesn't tie into anything else. And Doomsday Clock, it there is continuity, past continuity, but you don't have to f- try to figure out where it slots in necessarily. That's my preferred. I'm, I'm glad that Doomsday Clock has that feel. A lot of people, I had read some articles about like, how is this going to fit in? It was supposed to tie in, but it took, it was so delayed that the universe had to move on without Doomsday Clock, and now that Doomsday Clock's wrapping up, how is it going to fit in? Well, my answer to that, my personal answer, is that I don't care. I got a great story, and it's not it doesn't it's not super important to me how it ties in. But and and to be honest, I would like it to not tie in. Although I would like Mom it would be kinda it would be cool if Mom Pa were back in the actual title. But I don't know if that's where Bendis wants to go. But I just am so happy that the Superman of Doomsday Clock gets to have his parents back. And it was just amazing seeing how the Superman is built up. He's the most important aspect of this universe. Now, the one thing, the one criticism is, although I think it works better when you think a writer's going to zig and they zag, but it had been building up and building up. To this, what you thought was going to be this throwdown between Dr. Manhattan and Superman. And that's not how it plays out. There was an amazing panel in issue 12 when John mentioned something and Superman gets in. You think he's enraged and there's this panel, no dialogue. And he is just charging Dr. Manhattan. We've seen a, a hint of that panel in prior issues when John's saying, is Superman going to destroy me or am I going to destroy everything? And so it's hinting at this big confrontation. But when it actually happens, it is not, and you get this amazing page, and then you fl- and then the flip the page, and it's not Superman charge. Superman doesn't it doesn't hit Doctor Manhattan. He actually hits the uh, the Russian um, the Russian Firestorm poser is how I pronounce it in my head. I don't know exactly how it's correctly pronounced, but I was when I was reading the title, I always pronounced it poser, and. So you don't actually get a Superman, Dr. Manhattan throwdown fight, but I think it works really well I because I think you're expecting to get that. You're expecting to get this fight, but the, the comment goes a different way, and I think it works. It's the better for it. So let me also mention, let me also mention the new characters in this title, um, the mime and marionette. These are amazing characters. Jeff Johns came up with some awesome characters. They're they're villainous and they're diabolical and they are... Well, I, I shouldn't say that. Diabolical, to me, I don't know if this is the actual definition, but to me it sort of implies a planning. I think Marionette and, and Mime really fly in on, on the seat of their pants. and But they're, they are bad guys. But they also have a... John's is really good at writing bad guys and he, and of course makes them sympathetic and you care about them and their story is really is really interesting and I think it's issue 7 when you get their backstory and how they met and the tragedy of 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 childhood and how that shapes but you meet this lifelong friend and becomes your lover and those were Jeff Johns created two characters that I think were amazing. And at the end of Doomsday Clock, they actually don't go back to their to the Dooms to the Watchmen universe. They stay in the DC Comics universe. So I'm very curious to see if they pop up anywhere. 
but if a writer is not going to use them well, then I actually hope they don't. Just let them stay part of this storyline. They're in the DC universe somewhere, but if they're not going to be utilized to this extent, then I'd rather not even see them because they were really cool, really awesome characters that I think served this story well and were really amazing. And it was a joy to read them. So I mentioned earlier that I did a reread of issues one through 11. I think that was essential up until now. I've been, I would read each issue as it came out and, but not reread the previous, the prior issues. And so the whole time, and if you go two or three months without reading a issue of a, um, an issue of a title, the, the memories get a little fuzzy. It's, it's not super easy to remember what exactly was going on, especially with a plot this intricate and it is an intricate plot. Um, and I don't think all of the loose ends or all of the questions were tied up. Maybe they didn't have to be. Um, I'll have to evaluate some of those things on a future reread, but it was the right decision. I, uh, pulled out, I got all the issues and and did a reread. And so today I had, I was, I needed to read issue 11 and then I dove right into issue 12 and that was the, um, this, this is not a monthly title. This is a, and that's why I was saying it was so important for them to wait for whatever was the delays, Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, all of them. It was so important to wait because this is not a monthly title. This, it came out monthly or that was the intention, but this is a graphic novel put out in individual installments in the same way that Watchmen is a graphic novel. I know it was put out in individual installments, but it is a graphic novel to be read as a novel altogether. And so that was the, that's what I did. And I'm so thankful because there were so many, I got much so much more out of reading issue 12. Sure. Issue 12 would have been really, a, a really good read, even without rereading the titles um, or rereading the issues, the prior issues, but I got so much more out of it. And the context was, was there, um, for me in a way that it wouldn't have been having all those little plot details so fresh in my mind, having just read all of the issues over a day and a half. And that is, that's how Doomsday Clock should be read. Just in the same way that somebody sits down to read Watchmen as a novel, Doomsday Clock is, is a novel. So, oh, the, I'm starting to wrap up here. Um, although I'm, I of course have all the, I have, I withhold the right to, or reserve, reserve the right to record another follow-up episode, follow-up episode in the future uh, about Doomsday Clock. But I just wanted to get this out today while it was fresh in my mind, and while issue twelve, issue number ten of Doomsday Clock said this is more about Superman than I think maybe people realize, but issue twelve took it over the top, and it's this is a Watchmen title and a Superman title in my mind. Of course, it's wrapped in the DC Comics veneer, but it's a Superman story and a Watchmen story together. And issue 12, I wasn't even thinking, it wasn't even on my radar to record a podcast about this. But I finished issue 12 and I'm like, that is a Superman, this is a Superman story and I need one and I need to talk about this because this is awesome. And so that's what, that's what I had a different idea for a, a, a episode that I'm still probably going to record over this Christmas break. Um, I already pulled out all the issues for that, but the one thing I did want to bring up is maybe I missed it in my reading. And so I'll have to, cause there's a, there's a lot going on with this plot with the Watchmen characters and the whole Superman conspiracy theory. And there's that's going on in the DC universe. But the one thing I, I must've, I, I missed, I had to have missed because I'm going to give Jeff until I reread it and realize, nope, this is not answered. The one thing that I missed was what the comedian was doing. Why Dr. Manhattan saved the comedian. Because you see in an early issue, it might be even be issue one or two. Um, the comedian, it, it shows sort of a replay of the scene when uh, Ozymandias kills the, or, um, kills the comedian, throws him out the window, and he's falling, falling, falling. And Dr. Manhattan teleports him to the DC Universe. And I think I missed it, but I don't know what the point was. Why um, John, Dr. Manhattan, thought thought that the comedian needed to be in the DC universe. Uh, 
so that's like one the like one of the things that's like hanging in my head like what I was curious about that and I don't think it was answered or I missed it and I'm gonna give Jeff Johns the benefit of the doubt that I must have missed it but because there is there's this is dense this is a dense not quite as dense as Watchmen I think Watchmen's deeper you get a little bit more out of Watchmen this this still is this doesn't where Watchmen probably is one of the great literary works of fiction Doomsday Clock is up there but it's it's one of the best DC comics DC comic graphic novels of all time in my opinion but it's not I still would be reserved in saying that it's one of the best novels of all time where I think Watchmen um has that has that notoriety and rightly so. I think Watchmen's a fantastic DC co- or Doomsday Clock's a fantastic DC DC graphic novel, but it is a it is a DC graphic novel. And I actually would not recommend Doomsday Clock to somebody who is not pretty familiar with the DC universe. For instance, my wife, she's a Marvel fan and she really likes the Daredevil and she's pretty familiar with the Marvel universe and uh, Daredevil uh, in particular. And when we were dating, I believe I, I, I had her read Watchmen and she loved it. She got a lot out of it, but I wouldn't have her. Um, I wouldn't have her. I would not recommend Doomsday Clock to her. This is, this is for fans. This is for me. This is for the Superman fan who is really familiar with the DC Comics continuity. This isn't for her. And so I think because of that, I think you do need that knowledge to get everything out of this that you can get out of it or or should get out of it. And I don't think this is for the non-DC Comics fan, unfortunately. Um, so the, maybe that brings it down a peg, but I mean, this was written for exactly myself. I am the DC Comics person. I'm a Superman person, so this is this is for me. But it it doesn't have that I it doesn't have that universal appeal that Watchmen has. So I think with that, I'll wrap it up on Doomsday Clock. Maybe I'll want to talk a little bit more in depth later, but let's move on to the Booster Gold segment of the show. Alright, so welcome to the Booster Gold segment of the show. And what I wanted to talk about today was I use, we, my wife and I, we use DCBS, so Discount Comic Book Service, for our, to get our, our monthly comics. Usually, unless they're important issues that we have, that we're going to miss because the, we, we get our shipments monthly. And sometimes there's issues that come out that I need to, that I need to read, um, need in quotes that, um, I need to read before the uh, b- before the month, uh, because we get our first the, the first week of the month is when we get our comics. But so this month in our shipment, I had been waiting and waiting and waiting. And and if, and, and if you're a Booster Gold fan out there, you have probably are pretty familiar with, um, or at least if you haven't bought yet, you at least know about the uh, Booster Gold, the Big Fall uh, hardcover trade paperback. Well, it's not a paperback, the hardcover collection that came out in November and I, I received mine just a couple weeks ago and this is a gorgeous gorgeous collection a new cover art by Dan Jurgens, of course and Norm Ratmond which that is the I, I'm sure I mentioned this in the previous episode but Dan Jurgens and Norm Ratmond are the pair that I want to see on Booster Gold I love their their issues whenever they do a variance like um for instance they the uh the booster gold flintstone special that came out a few years ago i wasn't crazy about the the primary cover but dan jurgens and orm ratman did a variant cover and so that's the cover of course i had to get but here in booster gold the big fall which is in my hand i'm looking at i'm going to be flipping through while i talk about it here gorgeous cover i was worried a little bit worried not worried per se, but like didn't know what they were going to do for the cover because the initial solicitation had the cover of number one, um, booster gold number one. 
as the early solicitation cover. And of course it says, you know, cover art may change, but that's the cover art that they, that was shown. And I, this might be blasphemous for Booster Gold fans, but um, the cover to Booster Gold number one is not my favorite cover. Now, if I ever get an opportunity, and I hope I do, to meet Dan Jurgens, you better believe I'm going to be bringing a, my copy of Booster Gold number one for him to sign. But it's not my favorite cover, so I was hoping that there would be something cooler for the this this big fall. And, of course, there is. So this collection has issues 1 through 12 of volume 1 of Booster Gold. And issue number 12 ends on a cliffhanger. So we better be getting a follow-up to this to finish up so issues 13 through 25 which would be one more issue than this has this only has 12 issues that would have to be 13 to be the whole thing but we better be getting another another volume of this but gorgeous to look at the color is awesome on here the the new art by dan and uh, norm is 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 amazing and so what i'm going to be doing in this episode is not talking about the story um issues 1 through 12 necessarily I'm, I'm going to talk about, I haven't actually covered those. I covered issues, I believe, 1, 2, and 3, or maybe just 1 and 2 on very early episodes of this show. But that was years ago since I took a humongous hiatus. Um, but issues 1 through 12 are here, and they look gorgeous. They've been um, reprinted very faithfully. Um, the coloring is really nice. This is the first time that Booster Gold has been reprinted. The Volume 1 has been reprinted. In the nice trade, they had they have a uh, showcase showcase collection of issues one through twenty five, and that has um, but it's it, those showcases are black and white, and so I I actually don't even own that because that doesn't appeal to me is to have this art and or to have this black and white and and uh, just cheaply done on newspaper print it, it's that collection I've seen it and I've held it at shows but I'm chosen. Although Party wants to get it just because to support to support it, but now it's out of print. It w- DC Comics wouldn't even see that like somebody has an interest in buying it anyways. Um, but so this is the first time it's been reprinted in color, and it's a super nice collection. And it's got an introduction by Dan Jurgens. Um, and DC Comics has been doing this lately. It has a, a very nice, very nice uh, table of contents in here. But and the introduction I already mentioned from Dan, but I wanted to talk about the special features in here because there's some very interesting and cool, very cool special features in here. So you get the original series proposal by Dan Jurgens, uh, where he's describing to I believe that he 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 made the initial pitch to Dick Giordano about the concept of booster gold. And I assume that he then was told he needed to write a, he needed to write a pitch. So in here it is how many pages? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven pages of, um, of, uh, of a pitch. Uh, looks like it was, and it was written in December of 1984. And so that is really cool to see. And then we get, Initial um, uh, character character drawings um, and initial concepts by Dan Jurgens, and it's really interesting to see the various iterations of the Booster Gold costume that Dan was. He settled on the um, the blue and gold motif looks like pretty early, but just the various iterations of the costume, and I think that he picked the right one um, that settled on. He picked the 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 best the best eye popping uh, version of the costume that's here, but you get um a, a, what is it one two three th- three pages of of booster gold concept um art, and that's really cool to see. And then we have looks like uh it says here the original reference model created by Dan Jurgens for Skeet, so it looks like Dan Jurgens actually used some metal or um created a created a actual um lifelike skeets that he could draw to help him reference for a draw and so that was uh is really cool to see and we also have in here the original press release for booster gold number one that was uh put out 
and so that's a couple pages long, but and and, and that's another um, awesome awesome find. And then we get the black and white cover of issue number one in here. Um, and then you get some you get some promotional materials, um, some advertisements, some house ads that you would see in various things, and they. I don't know if this would... I would hope that back in the... If I would have saw this in 85 that I would have picked up the title because they are eye-popping to me, I think, now. And then what's what's really cool, and I've seen these on eBay, but you get um, the 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 original uh, press release for Booster Gold number one talks about getting this uh, promotional pin. And I've seen these on eBay, and I think I might need to pick one up. But it says "Go for the Gold Booster Gold," and they have a nice—they dedicate a whole page for it. But they show what the pin looked like, the exact pin, and that's really cool. And then you get the the what will be the letters page, a reproduction of issue number was one's um, letters page, where there are no letters because it's it's issue one, but it's Dan Jurgens talking about this new character, Booster Gold. And that's that's very cool as well. I th- and I think sorry if I keep using very cool, but I have no other way to, to describe it. Um, and and of course I have this issue. I could just go pull it up. But for anybody picking this up off off the shelf or just even having it here to reference to look at to see, because I love hearing about what Dan thought about when he was creating this character, what what was in his mind and how this character came to be. And so to see this to see this page recreated here. Uh, re reprinted here is is uh, really neat. Now, what we get to is the real the 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 piece that I was looking forward to the most, and maybe a, mo- a lot of Booster Gold fans were looking forward to the most, is that Booster Gold, as originally conceived, was a character who was conceived in the very late pre-crisis era. And he had his roots for it's no it's no coincidence I guess that I'm a Booster Gold fan like I am because his history is tied intimately tied with Superman, and it has been known for years that there was some last minute changes that needed to happen specifically to Booster Gold number six where um, in volume one where Booster Gold's Booster goes into his origin and, and recaps his origin and. It was originally going to be that a lot of his tech came from Superman. He originally worked at a Superman museum in the future. and But a lot of these concepts and, and um, ideas were pre-crisis. And, and these pages were drawn. And we were teased with this back, maybe back in May or so. If you follow Dan Jurgens on Twitter, he teased um, a page um, of art. And we thought, oh, this has got to be for the hardcover that's that's coming out. Actually, I'm not even sure if the hardcover had been announced at that point. Maybe it had, but it was teased. And so we get here, how many pages is this? We get, we get, what is it? We get one, two, three, four, five, five pages of the original art that it was with the original pre-crisis Fortress of Solitude and, um, because Dan still has those, Dan still has those pages, and it's awesome to see. And so we get that art, we like that's that's amazing. Who would have thought we 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 would get that? Now, as he mentions, and and, and it's annotated, and he has he has notes on the pages. But what he all he does mention is that the 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 um the dialogue balloons weren't in the art, and so they're not. The pages are a little bit bare or they're they're the art only they're they're pencils only actually they're not even inked they're just uh pencils only pages with no with no dialogue balloons but it's still awesome and he tells you you know exactly which page of the issue this references and so you can flip back and see like how he had to update the art at the last minute to account for john burns revamp and not having the pre-crisis forces of solitude and you you can go and look at those pages on issue six and see how they were modified and 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 how like what dna from the original art is still there and what's not and it's awesome to see booster gold interacting with these pre-crisis ideas and concepts and the fortress of solitude and the the gauntlets um from lex Luthor's power armor and and 
which was a pre-crisis, obviously a concept that's very, very awesome. And this is a gorgeous, gorgeous set. Now, I, of course, I've read issues 1 through 12, so I'm not sure what I'm going to get to actually reading these. I want to read it very soon. But the first thing I did the night I got this, um, when, when, when this came in the DCVS shipment, the first thing I did was... Um, go through all of this bonus features because that to me is the cream of the crop of, of this. And of course, having the, the issues, issues one through 12 re reprinted are, is amazing, but I would have bought, I would have bought just the, just the bonus, the bonus content alone is how amazing it is. And so we better be getting a volume two of this. I hope this sold really well and that we get a volume two of this. So that is all I have for this episode. Um, happy holidays, everyone. I hope everyone um, has a fantastic 2019 holidays. And if you're listening to this in the future, I hope you did have a, a great holiday season. Um, we'll see what kind of Superman content. I always get something Superman related for Christmas. I don't know what it will be. And my wife always complains that it's hard to buy for me because I'm so into my hobby is that I know like she can't, like I can surprise her with something that she doesn't even know existed for, you know, she's she, her, her favorite movie is dirty dancing. I can surprise her with something she didn't even know existed dirty dancing related, but I'm so into what I'm into that it's tough to surprise me, but I, 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 I don't know what I'm getting. I know what, what is out there, but I don't know what I'm getting, but I'm sure I'll get something Superman. Probably not anything Booster Gold related. There's not. Last year I got the, uh, last year I got the uh, the pops the pops vinyl for uh, Booster Gold, which also comes with the uh, Blue Beetle. Uh, less interested in the Blue Beetle, but they they are best friends, and so I'm glad I glad I have it. But the Booster Gold is really what I wanted, and I got that last year for Christmas. But I probably won't get anything Booster Gold related. I'll probably get something Superman. But I hope everybody had a fantastic. 2019 and if you didn't well then i hope the f moving forward things are better for you and i wish everybody out there happy holidays and a great new year a great 2020 it's been a blast for me recording these episodes even though i do it by myself and it's not an interactive show um it's been a blast for me and i might the audience is i don't want to have a huge audience right now but i just enjoy sitting down and having a forum to get my thoughts out and so Here's looking to 2020 and the future of Blue and Gold, the Superman and Booster Gold podcast. All right. Thanks, everyone. I will see you next time.